pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. And as we've said week after week, which we will also be preaching on, some manuscripts will say, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Father, we ask this morning, as always, that you would give us ears to hear. Father, we are praying for your kingdom to come in its fullness, to put an end to school shootings, to put an end to poverty, to put an end to adultery and broken families and orphans and economic oppression. And the list goes on and on. Father, we ask, may your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And as we tackle this prayer, Father, make it ours. We are invited into it. Not to just pray it as mere words, but to live it out for your glory and for the name of Jesus. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and redeemer. Amen. So we have been looking over the last couple of weeks at uh, the way that Jesus is teaching his followers, his disciples, how to pray, specifically looking at what we've already mentioned called uh, the Lord's Prayer. And when Jesus gave this prayer to his disciples, to his followers, he was actually giving a part of himself. This was Jesus's prayer. This is the way, really, that Jesus saw and understood his father's purposes. It's the way that Jesus himself understood his mission. And so when Jesus gave his followers and us this prayer to pray, it's inviting us to share in God's kingdom. And it's inviting us to find our role and to play out our role in God's unfolding mission to redeem, restore, and reconcile all that is broken in this world. So when we pray this prayer, we are declaring and asking, God, may we be joining you in this mission to bring restoration to all that is broken in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Spirit. And so as we pray this prayer, it shapes our, our hearts and it changes our priorities and it changes our goals so that we are living lives towards this end. And so we've already looked for a few weeks uh, of how this prayer already begins to shape us. And it begins with looking and focusing our minds and our hearts on God's glory, God's reign, God's will. And it's this beautiful, uh, pr uh, this music, if you will, uh, this prayerful uh, song that we're singing, the very first note of grace that God gives us and invites us to is to have this posture of trust and gratitude as we can come to God in prayer and say, our Father, 
dad, Abba. It's this beautiful idea that we can come to the God of the universe and say, Dad, I come to you. And his arms are open to embrace us as we come to him in prayer. And as soon as we do that, and as soon as we are enveloped in his arms, it's almost like we take a step back, if you will, and we bow down and we kneel in reverence, reminding ourselves, hallowed be your name. You are holy, holy, holy. And may your holiness be demonstrated in my life and in the life of Missio and in the life of your church throughout the world. Display your glory, God. We don't want our kingdom and our will to be done. We want your kingdom, your will to be done. Do that which will glorify you. Do that that will bring you the most pleasure. Invite those, the least, the lost, and the left out to join you in your kingdom. Your kingdom come in its fullness so that, God, we see fully and finally a defeat of everything that's wicked and evil in this world. And as we just prayed about it, I'm tired of seeing school shootings. I'm tired of seeing Christians lambast one another on Facebook over political issues. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of my own heart desiring things for myself and not for God. And so when we pray your kingdom come and your will be done, we're asking, Lord, the fullness of your kingdom come now. And as your will is being done in heaven, angels faithfully obeying you completely, may that be done here on earth in our life and in Missio's life. That's where prayer starts. It's with God, his glory, his reign, his will. And then the beauty then after that, it turns and Jesus says, because we have such a great father, we can actually come now to God and ask that he would do something for us. So this beautiful posture that we come now to the God of the universe and we say, give us this day our daily bread. It's a simple request, give. And as we look at just this one verse today, family, just this one verse, uh, I don't want us to miss the depth and importance of this. And so we're gonna look at three specific words in this verse, give, daily, and bread. Give, daily, and and bread. And so that first word, give, as we look at in this passage, what's beautiful is that Jesus doesn't say, well, you gotta buy something from God. Or in order to get something from God, you have to render your service to him. No, Jesus says it's simply a petition of give. Give us daily bread, Father. And as I was thinking through this verse, I can't help but always go back to James, what he says in verse 17 of chapter one. You remember this? He says that every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights. That every good gift comes from God. And not just food, but career and family and intelligence, and could I dare say even 
struggles. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above. God is the good giver of all things. Um, I, I, this week, I took an inventory, um, and I try to do this regularly, but I, I, I struggle with it. But in light of this passage, I did. And I wrote down all the things that God has given me. I'm blown away. And I need to do that way more often than when I just preach on God's giving to us. I wanna ask you, family, when's the last time you've done an inventory and thought through of all that God has given you? Because if you're like me often, you're, you, you kind of tend to gravitate more on the things that he hasn't given rather than that which he has. And as I sat down and I made this list, again, I'm just amazed at, God, how much you love me. You're my father. Jesus, a little bit later uh, in this section, which is called the Sermon on the Mount, where we find the Lord's Prayer here, um, if you go over a chapter in chapter seven of Matthew, Jesus is continuing to teach his disciples about prayer. And he says this, in verse, starting in verse nine of chapter seven. He said, which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? In other words, Jesus is saying, if you have a child that asks you for a good thing, a healthy thing, there's this uh, bread or fish, nutrients, which one of you are going to give him something that isn't good for his body? If you then, verse 11, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask of him? God is the gift giver. And let me ask you, are you asking God to give you what is good for you? Because often we find ourselves not being in a posture of even asking. If Go back to James. Remember, James said that we don't have some of these blessings of God because we don't ask. Coming to God in a posture of prayer and saying, Father, you are the great giver. Give us what we need. Give us what we need. And how amazing it is that we can come to our dad and ask. That's what children do when they love and they trust their father. They come and they ask for good things. What a blessing. Give. Give us this day our daily Bread, daily. And it's interesting that Jesus doesn't say, uh, ask God to give us our weekly bread. Give us our monthly bread. Notes this idea of give us our daily bread. 
And I think the idea uh, kind of we, we lose the, the weight of what Jesus is talking about. Actually, the word daily here is, is really rare in the Greek. In fact, this is the only place in the New Testament this word is used. And some commentators believe that it was made up possibly by the disciples. That's debatable. But the idea of this word here is that give us what this is coming. Give us what we need in the day that is coming. So the idea behind that would be if they prayed, give us this day our daily bread. It was like in, in the morning, it was God, give us what we need as the day comes along. And to unfold that a little bit deeper, if you go back to this time, this first century, uh, that day laborers, the majority of Israel at this time, an ag agricultural society, that their wages were super low. And so they worked every single day and depended on being paid every day for their work. And because they had very little money, they rarely were able to save. And so when they would finish a day's work, they would get the day's wage and they would have to buy food that day. And so for the majority of Israel, those hearing Jesus's words to pray, give us this day our daily bread, that wasn't empty rhetoric. That was legit. We need you, God, to provide every single moment for us. Every moment. And again, uh, I, I think the weight of Jesus's words are, fall on deaf ears many times in our society. I mean, when you think about it, we don't, we don't really have this urgency of dependence on God for our next meal today. Have you thought about it? Maybe you're thinking, well, what am I, are we gonna go out to eat? Who's gonna be making it? It's gonna be my husband, right? I mean, or whatever that looks like. You're like thinking, oh, I haven't even thought about food today because it's expected, I'm gonna have a meal. And the urgency here, we lose this idea that Jesus is saying, pray to the Father to give everything you need moment by moment. And because we lose the gravity of this, I think it changes our hearts to be one instead of, uh, of thanklessness. That we're really not thinking God moment by moment, day by day. You provide everything I need. I can't survive without you. And then that posture even turns into this idea of uh, a cavalier attitude even towards the poor. Pray this prayer, give us this day our daily bread and to back up and to say, Jesus, God, Father, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven means that we're not just praying that God provide for us, we are praying this for the world. 
And so to pray this prayer and to embody this prayer and to say, this is ours, sharing in the kingdom, living this out, means that we are praying for those who are hungry. And we, in this prayer, offer ourselves as God's representatives, his royal priesthood. And we say, God, we are pleading with you, feed the hungry, clothe the naked, provide for them. If we want your kingdom to come and your will to be done, that means it's a defeat of evil. It's a defeat of the evil that masks itself in hunger and in nakedness. To pray this prayer means that we just don't pray it but we respond to it. And we walk alongside those who don't have anything. What does that look like? Some of you already are hearing stories in your missional communities, you're doing that. You're seeking to not just pray for those who don't have, but you're, you're saying, I, I wanna live alongside of these uh, refugees who come to our country and totally have nothing and they are outcasts and we aren't gonna allow that. We're gonna do what we can in God's power and his strength to come alongside and, and to uh, be not only friends, but to give them and meet their tangible needs and we're hearing stories happening through Phoenician Palms, missional community doing that. And there's others, and, and, and so how, what, is that, what does that look like? And just a couple thoughts of maybe how we live this out, and then you can fill in the blanks. Number one, I think it starts that we need to be people praying it. Let's just start small, small chunks. Praying, Jesus, give us and the world what they need. And if our eyes are blind to where that need is, then God, open them. And give us a heart that wants the poor to be fed and wants the poor to know not just the bread that gives them physical life, but the bread of life, Jesus, you. Start there, pray for it. Secondly, be asking then, in the areas that God already has us planted, in the places that we're already naturally living life, what does it look like to then reach those who have that? I read the statistic this week um, that 43% of American households are considered working poor. The United Way actually has come up with a, a term, a word for these families, and, the, and the, the name is ALICE. It's an acronym. Asset Limited Income Contained Employed. That these are families that have little to no savings. They're working, they're working hourly jobs, and they can barely pay their rent or put food on their table. 43% of American families fall into this category. That seems outrageous to me. 
And whether that's true or not, the idea is there are people that we are living life with every single day, rubbing shoulders with every single day, who may say, I need somebody to give me daily food. Daily needs to be met. God, what does that look like? Where are those people? I'm thinking about Copperwood Missional Communities. You guys, they shared a couple of weeks ago. It's this idea they're rubbing shoulders with these families in these schools who probably fall into that category. And this idea, like, God, open our eyes. Help us to see where these families are. May we reach out to them, share the good news of Jesus in word and deed to meet these tangible needs. God, help us to be praying for these people. It might be, hey, you know what? We've been thinking about, man, we need to sponsor a child with compassion. We're gonna do that. There's different ways. Here's the idea. If we're gonna pray this, we better be prepared to live it. And that's what Jesus is saying. Don't just pray these words, live it out, embody it. God, give us, give our daily, every single moment by moment, your provision. Last, give us bread. Give us this day our daily bread. And obviously Jesus is talking about physical bread here, right? There's, there's no doubt. There's no doubt Jesus is talking about what we need to nourish us. But it even goes deeper than the physical. See, if you know the story of Israel, that bread was this powerful symbol of God's provision all throughout God's story. You can think of when Israel was rescued from Egypt and they're traveling in the wilderness, in the desert, and life is super hard for Israel. And there's this part in Exodus after God has delivered them where Israel's in the wilderness and they're going, oh man, I wish I was back in Egypt eating the leeks, eating the onions, eating the good meat. In other words, we'd rather be back in Egypt to be slaves just to be having our stomachs filled the way we wanted to. Now, another sermon could be we're exactly like that. So often, going back to that which isn't good for us, but anyway. And so God hears their cry. And because he's the father who loves his people, Exodus says in chapter 16 that God told Moses to tell Israel that he would rain down bread from heaven. And if you remember the story, Israel goes out to gather it and how they describe it. And there's like, there's these round uh, little flakes as the dew uh, evaporated. We found these little flakes and they look like coriander seeds and they tasted like a wafer made of honey. And no, it wasn't Tanya's cinnamon rolls. No, they, Israel called it manna, Right? And, and it became known to them as this miracle food that God provided, the, the, the food of the angels, the scriptures say. God provided from them miraculously. And centuries later, God miraculously provides for his people again, this time using five loaves and two fish to feed 5,000 men not including women and children. 
and another gospel account where 4,000 men plus women and children are fed with seven loaves of bread and a few fish. And in this gospel account, we see Jesus, the God-man, not only feed Israel physically, but he feeds them spiritually. In John chapter six, Jesus, after feeding the 5,000 people, plus some estimates are that it was closer to 10,000 when you include the women and children, he has this encounter with his disciples. He sends them out, and starting in verse 22 of chapter six of John, says, on the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea. This was the crowd that had just been fed by Jesus. They remained on the other side of the sea that, uh, that there had been, only, and, and then, let me read that again. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Jesus had sent his disciples away, get some rest. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. Again, referring back to the feeding. So when the crowd saw that Jesus wasn't there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and they went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. In other words, your stomachs were filled. You got your daily food. You want more. That's why you're seeking me. Do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. And then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? That's religion, by the way. What do we need to do to have favor with you, to have favor with God? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. That's the gospel. And so they said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers, the ancient ancient Israelites, they ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. I mean, when I read this, I'm thinking, really? What sign? Did you not just see close to 10,000 people being fed yesterday? Now, let's just take a step back there and perhaps they really didn't know how miraculous this was. And I find myself often forgetting how miraculous it is that I have given, been given everything from God's hand. 
And Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. See, this petition of the Lord's prayer, give us this day our daily bread, is to ask God to give us what he will give us when he wants to give it and the way he wants to give it. And our deepest need can only be filled by God. And so to pray this petition, give us this day our daily bread, is not to say just give us the food that we need to survive. Give us the nutrients that we need to do your mission. It's actually deeper than that. It goes, God, feed us with yourself. We cannot be your kingdom heralds, your healed healers going into the world without you giving us yourself. We need to feed on you. I need to feed on you, God, when life is just falling apart. I need to feed on you when the bills don't seem to be paid. I need to feed on you when my health is deteriorating. I need to feed on you if I have lost a child to a school shooting. Give us yourself, God. We need you. At the end of the Korean War, South Korea was inundated with a ton of orphans. And several relief agencies came in and they set up these orphanage uh, orphanages for these kids. And as they started working with the orphans there in Korea, they realized that these kids weren't sleeping. And they were worried and they were crying and they were anxious and they were wondering what, what to do. And as they talked with this ki- these kids, they realized that even though the kids had three meals a day, they were worried and anxious that they wouldn't have food for the coming. And so... One nurse had a brilliant idea and decided to put a loaf of bread into each one of the kids' hands at night. Not to eat, but just to hold on to. It became like their security blanket. Like they knew there was hope for them tomorrow. They knew that there was food. And what they soon found is that these kids began to sleep. And they began to gain weight. And they began to look happy and cheerful instead of worried and anxious. Jesus is the living bread we need to hold on to. He's our security, He's our provision, He is our hope. To pray, give us, Father, 
this day our daily bread. Give us everything we need to survive. Give it to us, Father, moment by moment. We thank you, but give us yourself. I need you, Jesus, the living bread, come down from heaven. And when we take Jesus into ourself, when we believe in him, believing he is who he says he is, that he is the bread come down from heaven, the only one who can give eternal life. When we take Jesus into ourselves, he takes us into his arms and gives us all that we need. And now, because of Jesus' work, we now can come before the God of all creation and say, our Father, give us what we need to live this life here on earth to see your kingdom come. Give us what we need to reach out to the poor so that they would know you. Father, would you do that? See, this was Jesus' prayer. He was the bread of life. And all that would come to Jesus will have life abundantly for every circumstance of your life. Family, let me ask you, where in your life right now are you needing to ask God to show up and to give of himself? He promises to do that. Hold on to the promise that you have in Christ Jesus that you can have life abundantly. It doesn't mean life perfectly, but that day's coming. And until then, the father that calls us his kids gives us what we need to do his work as long as he calls us to do it. And not just for ourselves, but for the sake of the world. Family, I just want to encourage you, remember that the creator sustains you. The creator gives you what you need at the right moment. His grace is amazing. His love is unfailing. And as we plead with the Father, not only to provide for us, may we plead with the Father to provide for the world through us as he will. May we be a good news people in both word and deed. Heavenly Father, we need you. Give us this day our daily bread. Meet every physical need that we have. Give us what we need, God, to do your work. And not just for us, but for the world. And God, feed us with yourself. Thank you that for those who have believed in Christ, we have your very presence, your spirit indwelling us, energizing us, empowering us to do your work. Thank you. May we feed on your word, God. May we feed on your presence. And as we come to the table and we partake of the bread and the cup, we're reminded that we feast Jesus on you. 
and we need your power and we need your forgiveness and we need your grace each and every day, daily. Give it to us, oh God, we ask. Your kingdom come and your will be done, oh God, here on earth as it is in heaven in the name of Jesus. Amen.